internet? Welcome to Film Theory, the show that totally called the MCU's reimagining of the Daily Bugle long before its surprise appearance at the end of Far From Home. It's no exaggeration to say that I've spent countless hours thinking about Spider-Man's complex boss, but recently one of you gave me a bit of a challenge. Reddit user, years ago they tried t it's not they tried it, it's they tried t Anyway, this Reddit user posted a theory that J. Jonah Jameson was illegally selling Peter Parker's photos. To quote from that theory on Reddit, it's clear from the Spider-Man 1 that Peter is the only one that would be able to take the cinematic, high-quality photos he supplies to the Daily Bugle. However, let's look here at the many publications showcasing these sorts of photos in Spider-Man 3. Where did these publications get the right to publish these photos? As far as we know, Peter doesn't sell his photos to anyone except the Daily Bugle. Part of the reason he's so poor all the time with J.J. consistently low balling him. Therefore, it makes sense that these other publications couldn't have gotten the photos from anyone except the Daily Bugle, i.e. J. Jonah Jameson. TLDR, J. Jonah was selling Peter's photos for money, evidenced by other publications having Spider-Man photos. He didn't give up Peter to the Green Goblin because of Peter's monetary value to him. Not because he is a refined valley dude. I don't know what refined valley dude means. I think it just means he's a stand-up guy. The point is, this post was as good as flashing the theory symbol in the sky, and I have seen the call. So today we're putting Jay Jonah on trial to see if he's just an innocent newsie or a dirty, rotten media scoundrel. Now, as much as I'd love to write this about the MCU's Jameson, the last time Spidey and Jay Jonah shared some serious screen time together was back in Sam Raimi's extremely influential superhero trilogy. I know those movies came out a long time ago, like a long time ago, like a chunk of this audience wasn't even born when the first one came out. Think about that one. So I'm just gonna go ahead and refresh your memory about all the important details for today's theory. After Peter Parker starts his vigilante work as Spider-Man, local tabloid editor J. Jonah Jameson puts out a cash reward for pictures of our vigilante. Peter, being short on cash, decides that he can cheat the system a bit by taking pictures of himself and then selling those to Jameson. Throughout their time together, Jameson makes it abundantly clear that he's only out for exactly one thing. I don't pay you to be a sensitive artiste. I pay you because for some reason that psycho Spider-Man will pose for you. The the Raimiverse J. Jonah very specifically commissions pictures of Spider-Man from Peter, except the one time Jameson decided to use Peter for MJ's engagement party. Anyway, when Spider-Man goes missing, Jameson shows a moment of regret for his actions before Spider-Man steals his own suit from Jameson's wall. Spider-Man was a hero. I just couldn't see it. He was a... Thief! By the third movie, Jameson is dangling the promise of a staff position in front of Peter and Eddie Brock to entice them to get a picture of Spider-Man committing a crime. So throughout this trilogy, Peter never really becomes a full-time employee of the Daily Bugle. This makes it a very different relationship than, say, the relationship between comic book Peter Parker and comic book J. Jonah Jameson, where Peter is a staff photographer who has even won himself a Pulitzer Prize for a shot that wasn't even of Spider-Man. Weird little factoid for you there. The Reddit theory alleges that Jameson is distributing Peter Parker's photos to other newspapers, but the comment section actually takes it one step further, saying that this is no longer just shady business, it is outright illegal for J. Jonah to be doing this. As user Andrena Chrome says, quote, he's been ripping Peter off for years by claiming it as Bugle property from fan mail-ins and anonymous sources, and reselling the photo rights without credit or royalties to Peter. Why would he admit that to anyone? He could get sued. Let's 
let's talk about that exactly. We've established that Peter is a freelancer working on commission and that he takes pictures of Spidey. In the movies, we can see three major papers and one major magazine, none of which are the Daily Bugle with excellent quality front page Spider-Man pictures. A large part of the plot of Spider-Man 3 is about how rival photographer Eddie Brock is incapable of getting an actual photo of Spidey, which is part of a long string of evidence that the wall crawler is just very hard to get on camera. It seems pretty darn clear then that these photos in the other newspapers came from Peter by way of the Bugle. What's more, we know that Peter is struggling financially and is desperately trying to get that staff position at the Bugle, so it seems like he's not selling those photos directly to these other outlets. The Bugle is his only buyer, which means the only way that those other papers are getting high-res photos of the webhead is through J. Jonah selling Peter's pics. So, you know what Reddit user years ago they tried t I think you're right. I think Jonah is absolutely selling Peter's images to these other publications. The thing is, it's also totally within his rights to do so. Peter is a freelancer, but what does that mean from a legal standpoint? Now, here's the point where I say the standard legal disclaimer that I'm not a lawyer, this is not legal advice. If you or another super-powered vigilante is having issues with intellectual property law, please contact She-Hulk, who is a real fictional lawyer. Now, you might think that if you create something, then the rights automatically go to you, but that's not always the case. For freelancers, most work on things by commission. We see this word all over Twitter, especially for artists, designers, photographers, sometimes even programmers, but what does working on commission mean? Well, in short, it means that you're buying the product that they're making. Let's say a potter makes a coffee mug on commission. It means that they made it for you. Same goes with photos of Spider-Man commissioned by the Daily Bugle. Jameson is very clearly commissioning Peter's work. Initially, he puts out an open call for freelancers to get any pictures of Spider-Man. Put an ad on the front page. Cash money for a picture of Spider-Man. When Peter brings Jameson pictures of other things, J. Jonah turns him down. You're fired. Why? Dogs catching frisbees? Pigeons in the park, a couple of geezers playing chess? There's really no argument about the nature of that agreement, but here's where things get tricky. Unlike a normal transaction where you buy something and then you just own it, and if you choose to resell it at, like, a garage sale or whatever, it's not that big of a deal, when it comes to commissioned artwork or photography, the rights of ownership may or may not pass over to you. If I go on Twitter and ask user SpiderDan420 to make art of chibi Spider-Man for me, do I own that picture now, or or does he? It seems like a really minor question to ask, but it's really important because the answer determines who can actually make copies of that chibi Spider-Man and sell it to other big-eyed spider fans like myself. I mean, I'm the one who came up with the idea for a chibi Spider-Man, and then I paid someone to create that image for me, so can I reproduce that image and sell it? Is it mine to own, or is it still Spider-Dan's artwork? And here's where contracts come in, specifically work-for-hire agreements. Now, these are documents that explicitly state which rights pass from the freelancer to the commissioner and which ones don't. And while we don't know the specific terms of Peter Parker's agreement with J. Jonah Jameson, we do know that most newspapers in the real world are paying for full rights to the photos that they use. They need those photos to be used in print, digital, holographic chess boards when it comes to that, from now until the heat death of the universe because Lord knows they ain't paying no intern to update their GeoCities page 20 years from now. For someone as cutthroat 
throat as JJ, complete ownership of all rights across all platforms in perpetuity is something that he would absolutely demand from his commissioned photographs. And let's be 100% honest, it's something that someone as naive as Peter Parker would absolutely agree to, no questions asked. That means there's not even an argument that Peter owns any of the rights to his photos once they're sold to the Daily Bugle. J. Jonah commissioned them fair and square, and from that point forward, he owns them outright. Sure, he got them for a bargain. They were an absolute steal, but that was Peter's own fault for being a bad negotiator. And with them properly commissioned by J. Jonah, they're now his to do with whatever he wants. Sorry, comment section. J. Jonah Jameson is 100% within his rights. He is innocent. And true to the original theory posted on Reddit, selling the photos to bigger publications is probably a great source of income for the Bugle. Photo stock companies like Getty Images work entirely on licensing images to news outlets. When you license an image, you get to use it for a certain amount of time, or under a specific set of circumstances. For instance, only in one specific printed newspaper, or in one part of the world, or online rights only non-commercial. In the case of the Daily Bugle, if they were licensing photos to other newspapers in the real world, they could also enforce standards, like crediting the Daily Bugle under those photos, linking to the Daily Bugle on websites with the image, and of course, charging licensing fees. Which brings us to the question that goes back to the initial theory, how much money could J. Jonah actually be making off of Peter's photographs? Honestly, the sky's the limit. This photo of me, taken for free at an event that I did for charity, is valued at $500. Same with this picture of me and other YouTubers ringing the Nasdaq bell from a few years ago. $500. And I wouldn't blame you if you were like, wow, Matt Pat, way to milk it for cash. Except all of that is money I will never see. It's weird. They do this a lot at red carpet things. They take photos of you and then they just sell the rights for huge amounts of money and you're just like, okay, I guess I don't get any of that. You're just profiting off of my likeness. It's very, very strange. Anyway, that $500 isn't even for all the rights to use that image all the time. Now, in Spider-Man, we're talking about the only good photos in the world of a superhero who is making front-page headlines. I'd say that's worth a bit more than me handing out Thanksgiving dinner to the needy. J. Jonah could literally name his price for these photos. So, I have to agree with the Reddit theory. Jonah doesn't want to give up Peter's identity to the Green Goblin due to journalistic ethics. Sure, he is an upstanding guy to a certain extent, especially when you read the comics. But it also doesn't hurt that he just so happens to be protecting not only a nice kid, but also what is certainly his biggest cash cow. So if J. Jonah wasn't cheating Peter out of his photo royalties, why is there so much time left in this video? Well, I had to find something that J. Jonah did wrong, and, well, there is this. Spider-Man wasn't attacking the city. He was trying to save it. That's slander. I resent that. In print, it's libel. J. Jonah Jameson may not have sold photos illegally, but he's certainly used them illegally. Let me introduce you to a much more nefarious crime in the newspaper business, libel. J. Jonah has unquestionably libeled Spider-Man and should be in line to lose his job, his media credentials, heck, any cash he has stuffed away in his mattress because he has got a whole heck of a lot of lawsuits coming his way. New York libel laws use four qualifications for a defamation case. Defamation, just by the way, is a kind of umbrella term for both slander and libel, which are basically the same crime just done in different mediums. Anyway, qualification number one, it has to involve a false statement. Anything you print that's true is just a free pass. You're totally in the clear. But we know from watching the movie that Spider-Man really was saving the city and not attacking it like J. Jonah claims. Thus, he is libeling Spider-Man's good name. Qualification number two, fault must amount to actual malice. Now, this means that Jameson had to have had some reason to think that the 
story wasn't true, but didn't care and published it anyway. Peter, who, even if he wasn't Spider-Man, is the photographer of the scene and thus an eyewitness, directly tells Jameson that the story isn't true, yet Jameson absolutely doesn't care and publishes anyway. This one is pretty cut and dry. Qualification number two, big check mark there. Libel qualification number three, it must cause special damages or defamation per se. Special damages usually refers to the financial fallout from slander. It costs someone their job or it costs someone their business. Since Spider-Man is not a profit-generating enterprise, that's not important. But what is important is the defamation part. Defamation per se statements are things that impugns a person's character. In other words, makes them appear morally corrupt. The accusations that J. Jonah leveled at Spider-Man both impugn his character and accuse him of committing morally corrupt crimes. So, so far we have ourselves a good case for three out of the four. Pretty rock-solid court case we have cooking up here, right? I'm sure this fourth qualification couldn't possibly debunk the case that we're building, right? Oh wait, number four. Defamatory statements must be published to a third party without privilege or authorization. That's actually a little bit murky here because Peter Parker explicitly sells his photos to Jameson. If it happened only the one time, you might make the argument that Peter didn't know what to expect. But the Raimi trilogy takes place over years as Peter graduates high school in the first one and is done with college by the third. Peter works for Jameson throughout most of these movies. Peter definitely protests about the way J. Jonah treats Spider-Man, but his continued work for the Bugle at least indicates that he's not that mad about it. And things get more complicated when you consider the fact that Spider-Man's identity is hidden. In the comics, Spider-Man actually does sue J. Jonah Jameson for libel, but he drops the case when Peter Parker is added as a co-defendant for the pictures he took. If the courts were indeed unaware of Spidey's secret identity, then he could claim that they were unauthorized, though he would be lying to the court and thus guilty of perjury. If the courts do know that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are one and the same, then all of a sudden, Peter authorized the use of those photos for the libelous story and thus is okay with the libel being published and therefore exonerates J. Jonah from yet another crime. As if all of that weren't enough, there is one last obstacle for our intrepid hero to overcome, statute of limitations. See, there's no criminal libel law in New York, so Spider-Man's only recourse would be going through the civilian courts. Now, what does that mean? Well, a lot of things, but for our purposes, it means that he has a limited time in which to file his suit against J. Jonah Jameson. The laws around slander and libel are also ridiculously outdated in some places, including the state of Virginia, where they seem to be aimed exclusively at criminalizing yo mama jokes. Seriously, quote from that law, any person who shall falsely write and publish of and concerning any female of chaste character, any words derogatory of such female's character for virtue and chastity, or imputing to such female acts not virtuous and chaste shall be guilty of libel. What is going on over in Virginia? There's a whole law specifically dedicated to not shaming the ladies in public writing. Anyway, New York's criminal libel law is non-existent, but for its civil libel law, the statute of limitations is one year. Before Spider-Man 2, it's easy to argue that Jameson was committing libel all the time, recklessly publishing stories that he knew to be false. He's turned the whole city against him. A fact I'm very proud of. After Spider-Man retires, however, Jameson buys Spider-Man's suit, only to have it stolen from him by Spider-Man himself. At that point, Jameson has all the evidence he needs to conclusively say that Spider-Man is, in fact, a criminal. Jameson bought the suit fair and square. Spider-Man stole it back. That wasn't within his legal rights, he committed a crime. By the time Spider-Man 3 wraps up, Peter has graduated from the college he was attending in Spider-Man 2, so any libelous publications were long in the past. J. Jonah may be heavily biased against Spider-Man, but he's a victim.
victim of one of Spidey's admittedly few crimes. He has proof that Spider-Man is a menace and actually does have good reason to believe it. Spider-Man, by his own hand, kills the only real chance he has against J. Jonah before it even gets off the ground. So what's the lesson here, friends? Well, for starters, superheroes need to brush up on their legal systems a little bit better to make sure they're not complicit with their villains. And maybe they could have, like, other summer jobs that don't contribute to their own negative publicity? Come on, Peter, I thought you were supposed to be the smart one. Pretty dumb move there, Webhead. You could always be a lifeguard if you're looking for a job. Stop running on the pool deck or I'll web-sling you to the diving board. But hey, that's just a theory. A film theory. And cut.